30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on that shirt? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. Fortress of Nerditude, it's the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, with your hosts, Josh Davis and Tyler McDaniel. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Advertising Expressions, Tennessee Legend Distillery, Gatlinburg Brewing Company, and Encore Theatrical Company. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is a bad cast company production a member of the inner circle and a survivor of the apocalypse. Find 30 and Nerdy Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Learn more about 30 and Nerdy Podcast at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Got something to say? Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Now, it's time. To nerd up or shut up, the nerds are here. Welcome, nerds and nerdettes, to another week of the 30 and Nerdy podcast. I am your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, joined by the co-host with the most, uh, the, the podfather, of 30 and nerdy the doctor of nerdonomics josh davis hey hey man hey hey um good to see you uh, yeah uh it's good to be seen um how was your trip okay yeah um you know tyler i i've been known to enjoy a little bit of rock and roll in my day and, you know, I've also been known to enjoy a, uh, a little heavy metal composition from, from time to time. Yes. So I found myself at the Louder Than Life uh, Music Festival this past weekend in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, with my buddy David. We had an amazing time. We, we camped out on the festival grounds, and um, it was just, it was a four-day thing, four-day trip, um, kind of a little, a little bit of an escape for me. Um, didn't really think about work or, you know, home or anything else, you know, just enjoyed where I was at and the time I was having and uh, got to see Metallica for the first time ever. 
That's awesome. Uh, they played two nights. They did the entire Black Album on Sunday because it's like the 30-year anniversary. So that was great. Um, Judas Priest saw um, Seether, tons of other groups like that. Killswitch Engage. Um, but it was just incredible, man. So, so great. Disturbed. Unreal. Awesome. I had a great time. But uh, the only bad thing about my trip was that got the news that you weren't having a great time yourself here back at home. So um, what happened there? <clears throat> well, I'm going to go ahead and be upfront and honest about it all <laughs> with the listeners. Um, I uh, contracted COVID. Um, now, I was vac- fully vaccinated back in April, um, which uh, let's first nip that in the bud. Um, nobody uh, said that if you were vaccinated, you were immune to COVID. Um, so I knew that that it was still needed to be taken seriously. You've heard me on this show say mask up, get vaxxed, you know, if you can. Um, so while I was under the weather, Last week, when we were recording, as the listeners heard, um, that po- test came back positive for COVID. And so, obviously, I was doing all the right stuff, taking all the right protocols, um, resting, drinking water, staying away from everybody. Um, Maddie would mask up and uh, bring me, like, broth and NyQuil and DayQuil and and zinc and all this stuff that you're supposed to take while you're battling the symptoms. And so I did what I was supposed to do. And then about Saturday night, uh, a little ways through the Tennessee game, it became extremely hard to breathe. And I couldn't catch my breath. I, uh, Peyton had to hold me up because I was passing out. I was standing up outside trying to let the cool air help shock me back in to breathing at least a little bit. And um, I'm going to be honest, man, it was scary. Um, I, I hadn't intended on talking too much about it, but I feel like I want to. Um, there were times Saturday night where I didn't know if this was it. Um, The kind of internal joke I was making as I was laying uh, on a bed in the ER um, was, uh, if this is it, this is, pardon my language, this is bullshit. (laughs) Because there were times Saturday night when I couldn't breathe and I was laying there in the ER Um, you know, especially when they had to give me that emergency cocktail that they've cooked up, um, I didn't know if, if, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, uh, the only person in the room allowed in the room with me was Peyton, um, cause she was who brought me, she took me to the ER and, um, it was, I think I told, um, you all, uh, you know, I, I didn't know if I'd see Maddie again or you guys or um, do theater, do this show, 
um, I was scared uh, for a little bit there. And it, uh, it luckily for me, um, the way that it was put is uh, if you weren't vaccinated, uh, we could be having a different conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> so even being vaccinated back in April, um, I still contracted it. Uh, they don't know exactly if it was the COVID or Delta or Gamma or there's a third variant out there that I heard today that I can't remember the name of it. But, you know, even with that, I still caught it and it was still hell. I mean, luckily I was vaccinated and able to fight it a little easier and not easy, but better than some people have. Um, people who are a lot healthier than me and younger than me have died from this. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky. I was lucky to be vaccinated. I was lucky to have been able to go to the ER, been surrounded by somebody who could have taken me. Um, and luckily, you know, my oxygen came back. My air came back. Um, my symptoms started to go away. They had to ask for my approval to use this emergency cocktail that they cooked up. And uh, it's finally been approved. And it is a series of four shots, one in the arm, one in the hip, two in the gut. Um, and then I slept for a little over an hour and came to, and it was like a bad fever dream. And, but, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but, you know, I was lucky, um, scared and lucky and luckier than a lot of people on this planet have been in the last year and a half. And I wish that upon nobody what happened. And I am grateful, very grateful um, to be able to, to breathe, um, to be able to do this episode with you. Cause there was a, there was a bit there, there. I didn't know if that, that would happen. Um, and I think I got a lot of the scared tears out of the way the next day, uh, or I'd be boohooing more right now, but, um, I was lucky, Josh. I was lucky. Yeah, man, I'm uh, thankful for the uh, medical staff that took care of you and for science because, um, you know, you had some protection there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, who knows? We may, you know, you could have contracted this when we were together somewhere, like, you know, yeah. we went to SmackDown and all that stuff. So thankful that I have that protection as well. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, we certainly don't want to get political at all because, you know, there's enough of that going on in the world right now and yeah. also in the position that I'm in career-wise it's not easy for me to talk about such things yeah. but um I will say I've had my um you know once not confrontations uh necessarily but you know I've had some pretty heated discussions with people who are important to me um about the importance of you know science yeah. and doctors and you know things like that 
Um, so, uh, you know, it's a crazy time we live in. We'll just say that. It is. Uh, it is. And, it's and, extremely and crazy time. But, you know, like, we're thankful that, that we're here to do this episode today. We're Absolutely. rounding out Hobbit month that I've been waiting for for so long. I'll be honest. <laughs> and now uh, it's flown by. I got to say, man, I think, you know, in the future, we may have to do like a Hobbit trilogy revisited one episode or something like that, because there's so much more to it than what we've really had time to cover. And this is one of the busiest times uh, of the year for me right now. Yeah. Um, I feel like I say that a lot, but I'm, I'm extremely busy. So I didn't get to put uh, the research in that I had originally wanted to. You saw I had a stack. Oh, yeah. Well, I had a huge stack of books, like Tolkien, you know, lore stuff, different versions of The Hobbit. Uh, so we'll have to come back to it sometime. But it was fun to really just look at these movies and revisit those uh, mm-hmm. and, and really focus on that this month. So I'm super excited. Last week we did uh, Desolation of Smog, of course. And then this week we're moving on to the third and final installment of the Middle Earth saga. Mm-hmm. So far, so far as we know. Yeah, so uh, far as we know. Uh, we know that we're supposed to be getting a show from Amazon, which um, we're excited about. Um, I guess I should say the Peter Jackson The saga. Peter Jackson saga. We'll, yes. we'll put it that way. Unless uh, he shocks us all and says, you know what? I'm going to do the Cimmerillion. <laughs> I would welcome it, wouldn't you? Thank you, everybody. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Probably like, I'm doing it in nine parts. <laughs> And Kate Blanchett will definitely find a way to be in those two because Absolutely. she still hasn't aged. No, she hasn't. But she anyway, hasn't. that's that's right. We're going to talk about the Battle of the Five Armies today. You know, we uh, we've been playing around with these Tolkien themed uh, nerd words, and there was one that I wanted to discuss that I found myself doing some digging on in the much time in bed that I had this past week. Um, about I wanted to learn a little bit more about the the wizards of Tolkien's world. Uh, so this is kind of your your nerd word slash uh, nerd edu- nerd education <laughs> this little segment. Um, so we're going to talk about the Astari. That's uh, I S T A R I. The Astari. Uh, were Maiar, vessels of the Valar. They were sent to Middle-earth from the Valar to protect and watch over. And they were five Astari spirits. And they take the form of elderly men in Middle-earth. Now, Karumo is a Maiai of Auli, and he takes the form of what we know as Saruman, the white. He is the head of the Astari. And then we had uh, Aloran. And these are all really funny names. Um, of course they are. Yes. High fantasy. <laughs> yes. Uh, Aloran, a Mai of Manwe, held by Siridin the shipwright to be the wisest of the order. Um, uh, Iwendil, a Maiai of Yavana, Alatar, and Palando, both Maiai of Arome. Now, those are the blue wizards. Bless you. 
that <laughs> that we do not know too much about. Um, and then, of course, uh, we have Iwindil and Alatar. So, yeah, these are all their Valar names. They're mystical, magical Mystical names. Valar names. So we've got Saruman, Gandalf, Radagast, the Brown, and the two blue wizards are Alatar and Palando. So we don't get to hear a lot about them. Now, if you do dive into the, uh, the lore of Middle-earth, the lore of Tolkien, it's vast. Um, that's why I think that his world that he has built outweighs Harry Potter. Um, you know, even some of the D&D stuff that's, that's been out there, and I'm sure D&D, you know, the little bit that I've played, um, most of them would say like, oh, no, 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 it's fast. And it probably is. But the world that Tolkien built is so vast that we haven't even scratched the surface. Not even a little bit. With the books, uh, with the movies, with the show we're finally getting to see. So that is um, the little bit, I guess that's your nerd word for the episode to end on, the Astari. Uh, those are the five wizards of Middle-earth. Um, the three main ones that we know, of course, Saruman, Gandalf, and Radagast. Uh, Good job, buddy. Way, way to way to come in and take one for the team when I forgot to do a nerd word. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the one month that I had a job, I had one Thanks job. For, for, had one for, job and I couldn't even handle wow. it. This is why you are the Duke. As the, they old Duke Arena. Uh, so, uh, I, it's a good way to just jump into it, man. Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee, without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey state of Tennessee with our salted caramel 60 proof whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T. S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with 
Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Join us at the Tipsy Exchange, where your hosts get tipsy and exchange ideas on a specific topic. With a few sidebars and tangents. It depends on the tipsiness level. Pop culture, true crime, unexplained phenomena. Nothing's off limits on the Tipsy Exchange. So grab a drink and visit the tipsyexchange.com to sign up for emails, special content, and more. Follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. I'm Burley. I'm LA. Now let's get tipsy. Welcome back. We are we are excited. It is bittersweet. We are on the last installment of the Hobbit trilogy from Peter Jackson. We're talking Battle of Five Armies, a massive film, especially the extended version. Oh. Um, as I told you last week, this was my first time seeing the extended version. Um, I didn't know what I was getting into. It a lot of it was like a whole new movie to me. I mean, if you you combine together everything they cut out of this movie for the theatrical cut, it is a new movie. Oh yeah, it's crazy! It's insane. I'm sure. I mean, I I can't really attest to that too much because I saw the theatrical cut. I guess once, maybe twice. And um, I don't think I ever finished the extended edition. So this was a lot of this was new to me. Oh, it's 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 crazy. It's a great ending. Um, it's not as. It's hard to compare the the endings of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit because they are both in their own right. Beautiful. Great but tragic at the same time, you know? Because um, there is tragedy in Tolkien's endings. Um, not everything is, is woven in a pretty, pretty gold band and everyone gets to live together, you know, forever and ever. And, you know, they're all friends forever and everyone lives. There's tragedy in Tolkien's world. A lot of it. And I think that's what makes it great high fantasy is tragic. All the, all the best stories have, have elements of that in it. Yeah. Um, and I love the sense of like coming full circle in, in both of these stories, like starting in Bag End, you know, this is home. There's this whole other world out there mm -hmm. and I'm going to go experience it. And all I really want to do is be back home where, where I would, that was my innocence, you know? And then I come back home. I've come full circle, except it's not quite the same anymore. It's not. No. It's so. not. Their lives are changed forever. Uh, the same way ours are for reading it and for, and for seeing it, our lives have been changed forever. Mm -hmm. So give us a little bit of breakdown on, on the behind the scenes of battle of five armies. I got a couple of, a couple of the deets. Uh, I do not know a lot of extra little tidbits uh, about this one, but I do have this information for you. Okay. Uh, it was released on December 17th, 
2014. I remember it well. I was there. Uh, the film had a budget of 250 to $300 million. And at the box office, it racked in an astonishing $962.2 million. My friend, that is nearly $1 billion. That's a ton of money, man. So it was the second highest at the box office in uh, that year, right behind Transformers Age of Extinction, which I didn't realize had done so well. I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't go see it. I was a huge Transformers fan. Uh, and uh, I did I not see it. the third one in the uh, Mark, not Mark Wahlberg. The, Shia the third Shia LaBeouf one. Age of Extinction? Yeah. Or was uh, that in the second oh. Age of Extinctions in the newer franchise with Wahlberg. So 2014, that's Wahlberg. Okay, yeah. I didn't even go see that one. I, don't I didn't either. And I was a huge Transformers fan. Wow. I think we were still reeling from the third one being so different. You know, no Megan Fox. It was Shia's last. We were like, ah, what's this new Transformers? No Shia. We like Shia. What is this? And- I don't care what anybody says. Shia LaBeouf was great in those movies. Absolutely. They really were not the same without him. He was really such, he, he was like the heart of that. Of that yeah. Movie. So after a little bit of uh, digging, the entire trilogy, the Hobbit trilogy, $2.938 billion. Good Lord. It's a lot of money. Uh, and we will compare that to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which did a little bit better, $2.991 billion. So that's nearly $3 billion each trilogy at the box office. In one franchise. Good. is like the golden goose, baby. Well, I, that's what I was about to say is... Uh... <laughs> WB can't be hating that. That's why WB can afford to do crappy DC stuff. Because they're like, our tentpole, Lord of the Rings, did us an astronomical amount of money. So Yeah, they did all right, didn't they? Yeah. They did so all we right. Make some crappy DC content and, and be all right financially. Because they still make decent money. Um, that's insane numbers, man. I mean, you don't see those kinds of numbers, you know, aside from Endgame, dude, you do not see those numbers, especially now in the COVID era. I mean, Shang-Chi's... Those days are, those days are done for a little yeah, while, I think. For man. a little while, those um, days are, are done. I, Spider-Man, I'm curious to see how that's going to do. I mean, that's going to be a big one. Yeah. Um, I don't expect it'll do, like, you know, in-game numbers here, but... I think after WandaVision and all this stuff, Loki, uh, I'm expecting people are going to come out for that. Yeah. Unless they offer some other alternative uh, of seeing the movie. Uh, yeah. Who knows? You know, they're going to want it to do uh, as well as they can and make as much money as possible. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. So, hey, let's jump into the story, shall we? And, and uh, let's share our thoughts. I, I'll tell you, this was something I almost said off the air, and I said I wanted to wait. I was going to say, hey, Tyler, how about that R rating? 
Did you notice this? Who said the F word? <laughs> no, my friend, there is no F word. <laughs> uh, but I, that somehow I, I noticed this and I was like, wow, I didn't realize that it was that Battle of the five armies was, was rated R. Uh, that's because the theatrical release was not. It was rated PG-13. Only the extended edition is rated R, which is what we I'll tell you why. It's gory. There's a lot of decapitations. Yeah, that were uh, in theatrical. <laughs> a lot of gore. Yeah, it's it's. there's a lot. So that R rating is well-earned, my friends. Um, and if you love some good CGI violence, we boy, we got the book <laughs> for you. Yeah, so they, that was, they can't go practical with all the gore because, I mean, you can't just kill people uh, all willy-nilly on screen. But man, you remember in Fellowship of the Ring when Aragorn killed that Rukai guy, that first yeah. one? That you know, first. killed Boromir? Yeah. Lars, I think is his name. Lars. Yeah. We thought Lars. that was brutal. That was, yeah, but that was awesome, like, because it was practical, you know? Yeah. The CG it was very practical. Was man, it's just not as good. I know. I know. That's my biggest complaint with this trilogy. Probably my only complaint. Yeah, it's very CG heavy. And uh, especially in the mass battles, you can really see it. Um, and, and, and even the Smaug attack in Lake Town, you can see the CGI. Oh, yeah. Pretty big. Uh, which, as, as you said, you know, if that's our only complaint, not a bad complaint. You know, it's just less practical. And the uh, the Lake Town smog stuff I thought was so great. It was really exciting. You know, we kind of shrugged off uh, old Bard, I guess, on the last episode, if I remember that yeah. right. When we talked, we were like, yeah, you know, it's kind of the Aragorn story in a yeah. way all over again. Um, but that made that moment of, you know, killing smog that much better because we had that attachment to Bard and, and his yeah. story had been built up so much. Um, and so I, I feel like they did a really, really good job with that. I was really excited, even though, of course, I knew what was going to happen. Um, oh, and also during that moment, poor Stephen Fry, man. Uh, <laughs> he got what was happening, like when Bar Bard was in prison and he put the rope down there uh, and it wrapped around Stephen, Fr the what's his, the master, the master. master of Lake Town. And he gets like strung up on that rope when the horse yeah. takes off and, and then it's what breaks the prison and then squashed by a dead dragon yeah poor Stephen fry i guess he's not going to be in the next trilogy no no less to prequel so yeah death of smog it paid off well uh you know we talked about in the last uh movie is you know it just ends with him flying towards lake town and that's what brings you back initially to Battle of Five Armies is, okay, well, Smaug's about to lay waste to this place. Uh, we got to go back and see what happens, uh, especially if you didn't read the book. Um, so great fight scene, the way that he utilized after his bow broke, you know, sticking it to the side and using his son as balance and his son getting to be a part of that with him and really truly see how awesome his father is in that moment. Um, hitting the one spot, the one weakness that Smaug has is like um, years and years and years ago, we were in middle school 
uh, it was just came this big snow and we all were playing paintball outside in the snow. Now, all we had were these little one shot paintball guns. It was me, Nolan, Caleb and Matt Grooms. Nolan was bumbled up like this perfect furball in thick layers and not just for the cold, but for, you know, paintball hitting you. If you've never been hit with a paintball listeners, Ooh, you're really cold too. My goodness. In the cold. We were nuts. We were crazy. Um, the only thing that was showing was this little V right here, juice at his neck, just this That's little V. And that is where he got hit. Matt grooms, which they already didn't really like each other that much. Um, Matt rounds the corner of the pool. He rounds the corner and just pack this perfect right there in that little V of his neck. Just splats on him, does what a paintball does, debilitates him because he's in elementary school at this time. He is just and I was like, of course, it had to be Matt that shot him and it had to hit him in the exact spot that you don't want it to hit. And so then had the same feeling. Your little brother became Smog the Dragon. Yes. Uh, it's just, it was great. It was shown well. And in the midst of all that, this town is just burning. And also, Tariel is saving his family and the other dwarves in the midst of the dragon attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got a lot going on here. A lot of crazy stuff. A lot of on the edge, uh, on the edge of your seat action uh, and moments. Um, but yeah, man, I mean it strong open very strong open for this movie mm-hmm. and it really sets the tone of of where they go uh in this final chapter how do you top killing a dragon how about a battle featuring five armies that's how absolutely not which four is, which is five. what we go for that's right not four six will be too much but five yeah. that's the perfect number absolutely uh so uh, we know that Bilbo has the Arkenstone and it's kind of rein- reinforced, you know, this is the King's Stone and all that stuff. And we're starting to pick up on the fact that uh, Thorin is getting that dragon sickness that, the, yeah. that makes up uh, for being a jerk in the first one. Near the end of the first one and most of Desolation. But then... He gets dragon sickness. And you're just like, man, you just, you suck, man. Like, this is, it said that like his grandfather had that same sickness, but his father did not. That didn't hit him. He didn't have dragon sickness. Yeah. He was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. His crazy was more fear driven as opposed to dragon sickness. Right. Terrified of that dog. Yeah, and he was held uh, up there in Dol Goldor. Yeah. I still can't say that. Dol Goldor. But speaking of Dol Goldor, that's kind of where the story goes next. Yes. And poor Gandalf is, is held captive there and everything. And this dude, to me, even despite the great big epic battle featuring the five armies by the way in case you didn't know uh this was the best part of the movie for me this right here was when i was the most excited yeah. because it's all these characters we already know and we've known for so long and we never really got to see elrond in, in action, action. No. we didn't get to see saruman in action and we definitely didn't see galadriel in action and in this we got all of that 
So I will go ahead and tell you that uh, some extended stuff here, um, uh, dialogue about Galadriel and Gandalf's rings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or talking about it. That's not in the theatrical. Uh, Gandalf has one of the three elven rings. Galadriel has one and Celeborn has the other one. Celeborn has the other one. Um, He's about to cut his arm off and Galadriel shows up. And she just and she's calm, collective, cool, you know, just release Mithrandir to me and you will go unharmed. She said, because I actually went back and rewatched that scene right as we were starting the call today. I've come for Mithrandir and I will be leaving with him. She's so calm. And that's more terrifying than yelling to me. And that dude had no idea what was coming for him. She just, it was basically like a Thanos move. Snap the fingers, boom, he's obliterated. Yeah. Obliterated. And she, then she just picks him up like a child. Gandalf just, just double, puts his arms under, cradles him, just kind of like a newborn baby and just starts walking out with him. Just Yeah, this it wasn't, that's that sort of like caught me off guard for a second. It totally makes sense. And I get that she would be like super strong because she's mm-hmm. this magical, like all powerful being or whatever. Yeah. It, it looked a little odd, didn't it? It did. But I get it. It did. Uh, I would imagine he's on wires. Uh, oh, who knows? That's probably levitated with her. Probably way easier ways even to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Something like that. This was so cool, man. Saruman, he was going crazy with that, that black staff on the ring rates. Yeah. Um, And Galadriel looking like the thing from the ring. Yes. Um, And not, I don't mean Lord of the Rings. I mean, the Japanese with the the rain on it. Crawling yeah. out of the TV. That's what she looks like, don't you think? Yeah, she I, did. The first thing I thought of. She went full. She went full elf witch on everybody. Yeah, it was the old uh, in place of a dark lord, you will have a queen from fellowship <laughs> when she freaks yeah. out about the ring. Yeah. Uh, so she has Radagast take him away, and you know Gandalf. He's the type that's like, oh no, lady. I, I, I swear, I think he has a thing for her. Um, <laughs> He wants to stay with her and not just fight, but, you know, lady, you have to get out of here. Um, yeah, but when Adagast takes them away, the three of them, that's also a little little of extension in their fight. Um, newer things that I wasn't used to seeing. I mean, just straight jaw jacking the ring rates. Because at the end of the day, these are the nine Nazgul they're fighting. Oh. The ring rates that gave us trouble in fellowship, they are just yakking them. I did like the cool effect of like they to show they were like kind of in our realm and not in our realm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the flashy like looked like they were in a strobe light or something, yes. you know. Yes, I love that that whole thing, man. That for me to go back and rewatch something, I hardly ever do that after we've you know, um, after we've watched something that we're about to have a discussion on. Yeah. I almost never go back go back and watch specific stuff unless I'm looking for something. I went back and watched this just to enjoy it. Oh, it's a great scene. It's I love it. Movie. That was like the height of oh, yeah. everything in this movie for me. It's really, for me, the height of this trilogy. You know what? Me too. 
like I knew that moment was coming and I was like, God, let's just get to that moment, please. I want to see them fight, especially knowing that I was watching the extended. I was like, I bet there's so much more. And there is, there's a lot of more moments. Um, Saruman laying it to him. And we, you know, like I said, we never got to see him in action. Elrond laying it. It was almost like, and it really showed their power because Boromir or Faramir or even Aragorn before he has Narsil couldn't lay lay it to the Nazgul like that. Uh-huh. Their regular weapons are so powerful and they are, you know, the Astari and they are the Valar. And so they can fight between realms, unlike we could. Uh-huh. We couldn't make those moves against the Nazgul, but they can because they are the embodiment of pure light. Uh, in our world we got uh, a little bit of foreshadowing at the end of this whole thing something that we talked about in the first movie yeah about Sauron. you know where does his allegiance lie and once he sees what's happening he sees the eye of sauron they talk he says oh the age of the elf is over the age of the orc is coming and um suddenly he's very interested in sauron and he says leave sauron to me yeah, because Elrond was full, full ready to chase him to wherever he was going. Yep, let's go let's get him. Let's follow him. Let's go finish this now. I don't worry about him. He can't come back to power. The One Ring, it's laying out in the river somewhere. He's never going to get it. Yeah. So you can see it in his eyes when Sauron literally, you know, no, eyed up, showed his eye, <laughs> and the other knights go lined up with him. Um, you could see it in Saruman's face, like, oh, uh-oh. Um, okay, so I was wrong <laughs> in that first movie. We might have just whipped some Nazgul butt, but this is different. I mean, this is terrifying. And even though he doesn't have the ring, he could get it, you know. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what happens next. Like, is from this point on, is he going and trying to, you know, get in cahoots with Sauron or... Does he spend a long time just trying to, you know, see what's happening? Like, does he do the Aaron Burr thing and like kind of lie and wait and just watch and see what happens before he makes a move? Um, you know, and does his connection with Sauron start closer to when the original trilogy is? I don't know. But either way, they went ahead and did the foreshadowing. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff like that just to show that extra connection. Yeah. Really, hey, this is where we're going. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to those when the time comes. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about Thorin here. Uh, where he's got the dragon sickness. Mm-hmm. He's hooked like a meth head on meth. He's he's obsessed with all his gold and all his riches. And he's the king under the mountain. And now he doesn't want to share. All those promises he made in the last movie to the people of Lake town, even to Bilbo. You know, what do we owe them? This is the King's treasure. Am I not the King? And then he has everybody looking for the King's jewel, which we already know. Bilbo secretly has stashed away in his pocket, his other pocket. Um, I don't know. I think the performance man, I mean, he's great. In this moment, show he's truly showed um, Armitage, that is, 
has shown in this these three movies his his range. He has such a range that he can play. And yeah, and even just in this period of time, like he's also trying to show he's a benevolent king, you know, and like he gives Bilbo the mithril vest, which is another connection to the trilogy. Um, and you should be so honored to have this. And, yeah. You know, I reward uh, friends. Yeah. Is he meant to? Maybe this is obvious. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. Maybe this is stupid, but is he supposed to kind of sound like Smog? Like yes. some of the sound they did with his yeah. voice, it's precious. That is that is Bilbo seeing. Oh my God, I see. Uh, of course, he's already seen Smog talk about his gold. Yep, and now he's seeing Thorin act the same way, the w- same way that Gandalf in the original sees Bilbo act like Gollum. He's like, there's no need to get angry. It's been called that, but not by you. So it's kind of that same moment. And Bilbo seeing this, like, oh, he he's sick. I heard the exact same thing from a dragon. This man is not in his right mind. You're a changed uh, man. I know. I know that Thorne is supposed to be like, you know, pretty much a heel here. <laughs> yeah, uh, in this moment, but. I feel like it's reasonable for him to say, I'm not going to talk to y'all while you got an army outside my door. And it's just me and my 13 or 12 cousins in here. And I would agree. You know, I actually, like- actually said that too. Uh, when I was showing Maddie the movies, I was like, you know, Thorne's a heel, a bad guy here, but I would probably react the same way if there was an entire elf army. Yeah, right. Me that's i feel like that's pretty reasonable like how about y'all go home i'll talk to thranduil i'll talk to bard and you know that's whoever and that's it get your armies out of here and then maybe we can strike a deal now he probably wouldn't have done that but it was totally a reasonable thing to say i felt like well and and the all the audacity that thranduil has the thranduil who locked them up Yo, Thranduil is a good, decent man. He showed up with all this food for the people who just lost their home. Oh, yeah. I could just see if it were any other disaster, I could just see him, like, tossing toilet paper out to people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here, you take this. Yeah, here's your TP. Yeah. I mean, he's... He caught that reference, didn't he? Thranduil is just... He's just this amazing guy. Okay. Uh, Thranduil... Uh, he's bigly, he's awesome, uh, he's fantastic. But the audacity that he has to ride up on his big freaking caribou and with his army, Magic moose. you owe me. And like, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. You locked me up. All of us, you locked all of us up. And you said there will be no king under the mountain. And now you're at my door with an army saying to give me your white jewels so i can see from thorn's standpoint even though he's sick this you know yeah. he's not thinking straight even i would be like whoa bro uh you got a lot of audacity you know taking up the gangway here you're kind of blocking my front door with all the audacity you're carrying on the back of that <laughs> brain here um so so you don't really care for thranduil huh i, I get him I know that he's 
he's not a bad guy. I he's know he's not a bad guy. Ancient, ancient, ancient being who yeah. is a king and he's all this, this nobility and stuff. Mm. And so, you know, it's nothing to him. And uh, he lost his wife. And that tends to change men. No matter oh, if yeah, we, a dwarf or a human, it changes a guy. Was that extended uh, where Legolas is telling yeah. Tariel about his mom? Yeah. There's and no the, actual, the only thing they do is um, at the end, Thrandall says, your mother loved you. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, we're just like, did Legolas have a mom? <laughs> Is Legolas hatched out of an egg? <laughs> yeah, elven eggs. Uh, so, I mean, I get Thorne's standpoint, but at the same time, the man is sick. Armitage plays it well. Uh, his kin are just beside themselves seeing their king this way. And I mean, he's basically holding them hostage in there, though. And, yeah. you know, some of them are trying to talk sense into him, like, come on, man, we can't try to fight these people. This is stupid. Let's just honor our word. And, you know, they get all armored up and ready to march off the war. And Bilbo's like, the, he in his mind, the only sensible one around there, like, what's going on here? Yeah. And poor, uh, who is it, Bofer? Bofer. Like, who's all awake. We probably won't live to see uh, everything that happens after this, but uh, I got to go with my king. It's Thorin. I trust him, right? You know? Yeah. And so it's pretty gloomy up in there, and Bilbo sneaks out, gives the Arkenstone to the other guys, to Thranduil and all them, or to Bard. Yeah. Um, comes back in, and he's got the grapefruits to not only admit that he did that, knowing how Thorin's going to react, but to even confront him and stand up to him and tell him you're, changed. you're the same guy you've changed. Huh. You never would have gone back on your word. Uh, if you born that I met in Bag End would never yeah. go back on his word. Exactly. It was, and then he just looks at all of them and he just goes, throw them over the edge. And they're all like, no. And by the way, I would, I would like to count this moment as uh, one more, possibly the last on the count of how many times Bilbo has, Put his neck out there to save yeah. the whole group. Yeah. I'm counting that. So well, what's the total on that? I think we're at eight. We're at eight, eight in, a, uh, in the trilogy. Eight times he's put his neck out for the betterment of the dwarves. Well, it's a good thing that we get to see them really appreciate him and show him how much they love him in the end because they gave him a pretty rough time. Oh, yeah. Just I mean, think uh, about doing a great job of selling this adventure to Bilbo. At back in, like, oh, you know, you'll probably get melted and it won't be a big deal. Uh, we'll cover your funeral expenses, whatever. You want to come? Uh, if no. he could see all the things that he was going to go through, how would he have felt then? Gosh, probably never would have happened, right? Probably wouldn't have. Anyway. Uh, so the battle is beginning, yeah? Yeah, and, Oh, there was a reference to Ecthelion. Yes. Ecthelion is the, at this time, steward of Gondor and the father of Denethor. Yes. Grandfather of Boromir and Faramir. Exactly. So the battle starts, and um, I had forgotten that there was actual bloodshed with the elves and the dwarves. Mm -hmm. Totally forgot about that. I was a little caught off guard with that. 
but there was this really cool uh, effect where the elves would shoot the arrows and the dwarves had this contraption, this windmill thing that they would shoot out. Oh, and it wiggly, would wiggly. Yeah, it would cut up all the arrows. That was so yeah. cool. I had no it memory of that. Basically like, uh, that was extended too. That wasn't in theatrical. Um, oh, it was no like wonder. an anti-arrow javelin. So what they would do is they'd shoot this javelin and on the sides of the javelin were these ropes going really fast. That would just, it was like anti-arrow javelin. Twiggly wiggly. You like the twiggly wigglies. And the elves had really cool things too. I wrote in my notes, elves are so effing cool mm -hmm. arrow thing. Who knows what that means, but I guess the elves did some cool trick. Um, yeah. I love the elves. And I love Dane. Um, Billy Connolly. Yes. Bringing Billy Connolly in to play Dane, which if you don't know him by name, uh, some of our listeners have probably seen them in Boondock Saints. Um, the series of unfortunate events. He plays Uncle Monty in the movie, the Jim Carrey version. The one who likes pythons and reptiles. They're really, uh, they're really misunderstood creatures. You're forgetting his greatest role of all. What's that? He played <laughs> some guy at the beginning of Muppet Treasure Island. Um, and I quote this all the time because there's a guy I work with. His name is James, and I have dubbed him Jimmy. Jimmy. Like you do. Yeah. And it's stuck. A lot of the kids have caught on to it. I'm sorry about that, Jimmy. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but he, there's this thing where he grabbed that kid, Jimmy, and he goes, oh, Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. Uh -huh. and Gonzo and Gonzo says, I'm not Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. He's Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. Jim, Jim. So that's what I always think of when I think of Billy Connolly. I love Bill Connolly. Uh, he's the perfect Dane. Of course he would play a dwarf. That accent, right? the way he talks, he's all abrupt. And he's like, oh, look at the fancy elves. I don't care about you. <laughs> the way he shoots down Thrandall, you pretty little girl. <laughs> yeah, man. He was... He and they're was riding good. on these like ram-like beasts, these big goats, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, gosh, Becky call, uh, saw it last night, and she called him something. I can't remember what she said. It was hilarious at the time, though. Is he right? Where did he get a goat? Why is he riding a goat? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. What they're said. hilarious. The dwarves. Uh, I mean, and like you said. Uh, there is actual bloodshed between Thranduil's people and Dane's people. Actual killing. We just expect going into this, well, I did, that they're going to about to be ready to fight and then realize, oh, crap, now there's orcs. But mm -hmm. no, they actually fought and killed each other. Well, if they had listened to Gandalf, he got back and he was trying to tell them this. Uh, but they were too caught up in their frustrations mm -hmm. with one another. Um, man, I, I, I took note here so much CGI stuff, you know, I've already talked about that being my little, uh, pet peeve about this whole trilogy. This battle is just so, so much CGI. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. And I understand that it has to be that way for, for a, a battle like this, but I don't know. I just miss the, the glory days of Helm's Deep. Oh yeah, up like that where there Practical wasn't effects and yeah. I know. Even Bilbo was getting some action. He was he was in there uh, fighting yeah. as well. 
Yeah. Man, he's he's a brave little dude. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's come a long way since back in. Come a very but long way. I'm just going to go ahead and and highlight some moments in the battle here that are ex- extremely extended that I had never seen before. Um, right. A lot of uh, dialogue between Gandalf and Dane before the fight even starts. Um, some new fighting cutscenes, moments with Thorne in the Great Hall during the battle uh, is longer, where he's in the Great Golden Hall. And he, he goes uh, when he sees him himself. In yeah, basically cures himself. Uh, a lot of lot of extension there. Newer cut scenes after the company joins in the fight. Bofer taking control of a mountain troll. That's extended. Okay. The the multi decapitations of the trolls when they're in that chariot type thing, and it just yeah. cuts all the heads off. And uh, Thranduil's moose did a big yes. thing where he pulled yeah. the impales them all, and he just cuts all their head. Yeah. All that's extended. Nowhere near the theatrical. Anytime heads roll, uh, they're going to keep as much of that out of the theater as possible. Yeah. That's what gets your R rating is heads rolling. If you're not saying the F word, heads are rolling, and you're going to get an R, R rating. The whole period scene is not in theatrical. Dwalin driving a chariot. Nowhere in the theatrical version. So this, I assume, is after he confronts Thorin, right? Yeah. Was that was that extended? After Dwalin. Dwalin confronting Thorin was extended. He's like, oh, you know, you're not. You saying- were my king. That is huge because he's the one guy who's like always, yeah, let's fight. Let's go. Let's go. He's the muscle. He's mm-hmm. the toughest guy. The roughest, the toughest. Yeah. Uh, and for him to even get emotional about it that that's a big uh like red flag to to thorin you could see even though he's saying this is what i'm supposed to say because i'm king and i want what i want yeah nobody's gonna tell me otherwise he's emotional about what he's saying leave before i kill you leave before i kill Uh, you yeah yeah and i mean for dwellin to be the the guy with the head on his shoulders going like you were my king then before all this you were my king now I don't recognize you. I don't know who you are. When you're the only person who's right and everybody else is wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's about time you stop and evaluate, which of course he does. And he yeah. comes back, but. Um, tripping and, and elu- having grand illusions of sinking in a golden river. Was Gandalf versus the troll extended? Yes. Gandalf okay. versus the troll, the entire death scene of Alfred, not in the theatrical version. Yeah, when he went into the troll's mouth. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I thought so. I think that at this point, I had not seen from this point forward because I had no memory of Gandalf and that troll. And I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so I noted that. Yeah, uh, Bomber, um, sorry, go ahead. Alfred's death, uh, Bilfer's axe moment where they took the axe out of his head and then he could speak he could speak regular english uh bomber's line oh no Ooh. i was gonna say bomber had a line he speaks yeah. uh he sounds like the the swedish guy from frozen hello <laughs> hello sauna family no oh, I, I got it he's like you can I, i'll tell you where you can shove that um Thorne and fight very extended um, a lot of Legolas multi-kill moments while riding the bat. 
Man, Legolas is awesome. Ended Legolas stonewalking and her Conrada to um, Azog's son. Bolg. Bolg. Yeah. I mean, there was, this is a whole new movie, man. I mean, it's insane. And the, the fight moments, the moments they give Legolas. Like, I mean, we know that in Lord of the Rings, Orlando did a lot of his own stunts. Actually got injured doing that horse. Yeah, I heard a lot. Um, I wonder how few he did in this one compared to uh, the good old days. I'm sure he did as much of it as he could. Yeah. He's done a lot of action movies, you know. Yeah. yeah Troy he, he is Will Turner. And Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. yeah. Man, so, to, have, to have Pirates and Lord of the Rings in your wallet. Ugh. He just needs Star Wars or Marvel, and yeah. he's, he's hit them all. Uh, of course, in uh, all this stuff, we lose Feely and Keely. We do. Uh, Keely, even though I really don't care about the love story with Tariel and everything, uh, it was a really nice death. In the books, we don't hear anything about Feely and Keely's death, just that they died. Yeah. So why not take liberty and tell a little more of a story with that? Mm-hmm. Um, but he died looking at a beautiful woman. Yeah. So. You know, the love of his life. Than, what more can you ask for than that? He died looking at the love of his life, an angel. I did. I did like that part. Yeah. Um, uh, good. We lost. We lost Thorin too. I mean, that battle with Azog. He looks like he has um, Azog on the little icicle and everything. Yeah. Um, He's under the Thorin ice. Thorin sacrificing himself to mm-hmm. slay his foe. Man, long live. Thorin Oakenshield. Arm of the King. Gosh, what a battle. Uh, uh, you know, long live the King. That's extended. His little funeral. Oh, the little funeral when they walk around and they're crying and, and mourning everybody. Yeah. Rain becoming King. I felt something there. That was extended. In the theatrical, it just, there is no more like who takes over Erebor. I wanted to point out, uh, and I've like tried to speak over you two or three times. I'm sorry, by the way. Um, Radagast, Bayorn, and those Dagum Eagles show up once yes. again to save the day. Now, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but during that moment or right after that moment when they show up and they're just wrecking stuff, there was no music. And they really wanted you to focus on the sounds of the battle. Um, and that's for good reason because they did a really good job with it. They were actually nominated for Best Sound Editing at the Academy Awards. Nice. They did not win, and I did not bother to look up who they lost to, but I was just really noticing and appreciating all those sounds and all the work they put into that and taking the music out to make it more dramatic and exciting. So there was a moment um, where before Gandalf goes off to Erebor, that all that stuff we just talked about, Radagast gives him his staff. Yeah. Because Gandalf's is destroyed. Yeah. And that happens to be the staff that he's carrying in Lord of the Rings. He's actually carrying Radagast's staff. That's extended. And that wasn't in theatrical. I thought that was a pretty cool moment. Um, him saying, like, I don't really use it that much. You can take it. You're going to have to jiggle the handle a little bit. It's a little wonky. Uh, but, yeah, take it. And that ends up being his staff in Lord of the Rings. Uh, so Alfred died, right? Like, when Gandalf was fighting the troll? Yeah, because he was having trouble with the staff. Yeah, am I making that up? No, you're not. You're not. He couldn't get right. the staff to work. 
um, I, I was I was shocked that the theatrical cut the death of Alfred because he was kind of like this this trilogy's Grima Wormtongue. Um, uh, you you were waiting for him to die because he was just a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, so now seeing his death, I was like, I'm shocked they kept that out of the theatrical. He just kind of vanishes in the theatrical. It took me a minute to realize that he was actually dead because I, you know, felt like he had a lot of space there, but he was really lodged in that troll's throat. Yeah. So. yeah. Suffocated. Um, another uh, connection to the next movies. Uh, Thranduil and Legolas are talking and he sends him off to look for young Aragorn. Yeah. Who would be, this is 60 years before, um, Lord of the Rings, so he's like in his late 20s. He is currently serving at Thelion uh, as a ranger in the wilderness. He's going, he's, you'll have to learn his real name for yourself. He's going by a different name, but the people call him Strider. Yep. Um, the name he's going by, we'll talk about a little later, because I, I have a nice little little breakdown here in a little bit when we're done talking about this. Uh, really great moment our uh, uh, great dialogue why does it hurt so much mm. because it was real great moment with uh, after the battle is over uh, Bilbo's sitting there kind of just <laughs> stunned at everything that he's witnessed and the death of his friend Thorin which was like really heartbreaking yeah. uh, I feel like I felt it more this time than when I watched it in the theaters. Maybe it's because we've been watching them all consecutively here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, really felt the death of Thorn. But anyway, he's sitting there and kind of just taking it all in. Gandalf comes, sits down, scrapes out his little pipe, tries to get it going, and they're oh, just sitting there in silence together. I love that moment. Mm-hmm. I have a little statue uh, of of that moment of really sitting there and him holding his pipe. Yeah, I have to send you a picture of it. That's awesome. That's really it. And then he says goodbye to his dwarf friends and heads back to the Shire. (laughs) Or (laughs) where Lavelia Sackful Baggins is selling off all the crap. He's presumed dead because he's been gone for 30 months. 13 months, I think. 13 months. Uh, 13 months you've been gone from the Shire. We just assumed you were dead. (laughs) <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not dead. I'm very much alive. And they're like, do you have anything to prove it's you? And I'm like, that's such a like proof, proof of a ID. license and registration, please. Proof of ID. And he gives him the contract, which calls back to the first one. And he's like, well, yep, I guess everything's in order. And he's like, now give me back my things. And he's like, who is this? Your employer, the person who employed you, this Thorin Oakenshield. Who is he? And he finally, because he keeps trying to say it in the last 20 minutes of the movie, he was my, he was my, and here he goes, he was my friend. He was finally able to say, Thorin Oakenshield was my friend. Um, number one, that's big because Bilbo didn't have a whole lot of friends. You know, he knew people, people knew him. He was a little eccentric. He was the the head of the Baggins took family, you know, the patriarch, the, the richest of them all, you know, he had bag end, um, but he didn't have a lot of friends. And for him to say, he was my friend. 
I have friends, dwarves and a wizard and some elves and bard. And he has friends now outside of the Shire. And that's big. Um, and this is straight out of the book. I mean, them trying to sell off his crap. Yeah. Straight out of the book. Uh, for the record, if I disappear for 13 months, you have my permission to sell all your pops. Well, probably give the pops to Logan. Okay. Uh, but you can like sell all my other stuff. All right. Besides what you want to keep for yourself. I would say if you, you disappear for 13 months, I, if I don't see a body, I'm just assuming you're coming back at some point if I don't see a body. So I'll probably just store everything. Well, like all great movies, you know, when, when the, uh, when the character, you don't see their death means they're probably coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that on Bilbo's journey, if we were to, you know, um, hang on, I'm sorry. Set his journey to the map of the United States. Yes. If we were to take Bilbo's journey and equate that to the map of the United States of America, which we are familiar with, and I'm sure most of our <laughs> listeners, uh, that would be like walking from, let's see. It would be like walking from eastern Nebraska all the way to eastern Ohio. Just straight okay. around. And back. Yeah. And, and then, of course, he comes back uh, mm-hmm. much quicker, far less adventures on the way back. Uh, but poor Frodo and Sam's journey was a lot longer. It was like going from eastern Nebraska to about central Florida. Woo! That's, That's no joke. They walked that. It's like walking to Disney World like twice. That's insane. Maybe two and a half. That's crazy. Yeah. That would be a nice little project for everyone who's listening right now. Where you live. Um, look up the distance that both journeys took, Hobbit journey and Lord of the Rings journey, where you live, mark that. Say, so it would be like me leaving my house, walking to blah, blah, blah. Send some of those into us. I would be really interested where some of you all would have to journey if you were to walk the steps of Bilbo or Frodo. Like, I, I'm going to do it for us. If we were to leave Morristown right now, we would have to walk to... Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna figure that out for us. Oh, please let me know. I will. I definitely will. Speaking I feel like of, I already no. figured this out, but I forgot the answer. So we'll see what you come up with. Yeah. Uh, so I did a little little extra research. Um. Uh. For after the events of the Hobbit, before the events of Lord of the Rings. Okay. And these are some you know where the dwarves went, Bard, Bilbo, stuff like that. So Bard becomes king of mm-hmm. Dell. Yep. They rebuild Dell with the help of the Erebor dwarves and D- Dane. And he becomes king of Dell and is then preceded by his son, Bane, who is then preceded by Brand at the beginning of Lord of the Rings storyline. However, during the Battle of Dell, which takes place during the War of the Ring, um, Brand is slain and Dane dies protecting uh dane uh bane dies protecting his son's corpse um then the other son thorin the third takes over dale so brand had a brother named thorin the third 
and he takes over King of Dell by the end of the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Gandalf and Aragorn first meet in between. In this time, Aragorn is going by Thorangild, fighting for both Thangil of Rohan and Ecthelion of Gondor. Aragorn then agreed to have his Rangers of the North keep watch over the Shire because Gandalf does not know of the ring, what the ring is, but he knows he has a ring. So he asks Aragorn for a favor, have your Rangers keep watch over the Shire. And so they do, which is why Saruman doesn't get there sooner, Sauron. The Rangers are actually protecting the Shire. Frodo's parents die almost 30 years after the events of The Hobbit, leading him to move in with his uncle Bilbo. Mm -hmm. Balin, Oin, and Ori travel and take back Moria. For 24 years, Balin ruled Moria, prosperous mine and dwarven sanctuary. That is until the goblins return in massive numbers, slaughtering all who lived there. Ori is the last to die as he finishes writing in his book. leaving for someone to read in the future, a certain Gandalf at the tomb of Balin picks the book up out of Ori's hands. Wow. Oin manages to escape, but is pulled under by the watcher in the water. That thing that attacks them at the doors. Tragic fates they've, they've met here. Dwalin lives out his days in Erebor serving Dane. He lives to be 340 years old the oldest dwarf to live in Middle-earth. Gloin lives on to actually meet Frodo. He is at the Council of Elrond. He even gets the opportunity to speak with Frodo about the quest that he and Bilbo took so many years ago. I wish they'd have... If they'd have made the prequels first, we would have seen that in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Guarantee it. Uh, Bomber gets fatter. uh, Has to be carried around by people now. Bilfer and Bofer lived out their days in Erebor. Uh, Dory and Nori fight in the Battle of Dell during the War of the Ring. No u- news yet on if they survived or died. And that is the lives of our company after The Hobbit, before The Lord of the Rings. Wow. Sad lives, man. I mean, we knew that Moria was attacked and Balin was there. But to hear that poor, cute little Ori, I'll... I'll shove it straight up his jacksie ah. is the one writing in the book as he wow they you are taught coming. me something my friend i had no idea i knew the stuff about um like bard and yeah a lot of that stuff um but not and of course Balin, but not about ori and Norian, everybody else wow hearing for for oin Getting pulled under by the watcher in the water. Oh, these poor dwarves can't catch a break, man. No, they can't. Wow, that's great, dude. I I offer you the highest of fives. Excellent <laughs> work. Um, I love having those little moments here and there, whether yeah. it's you or whether it's me, where we learn something new like that. So, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it was it was fun digging up, man. And I implore anybody, um, take the time, uh, pick a, a different version a different moment of lore in middle earth and look it up from the first age, the second age, the third age, the fourth age, just look it up. For instance, did you know that uh, Mary and Pippin, when they died, were buried beside their friend Aragorn? Yes. Like look up that stuff. That's the stuff that I love to look up. Like what's next, you know, like basically Legolas and Gimli retire in their bromance and, 
you know, ride off somewhere together and like, like an old folks home in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. I know uh, a lot of that stuff too. It's great stuff. I mean, I think it would be, it would, it would be great for us to, to dive a little more for next season and yeah. maybe just pick something and be like, I learned, I read something today. Like kind of like I did with the Astari. Just, I just like, I want to, I want to learn more about the wizards of middle earth. Let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about the Valinar and Valar and Lord. There's so much, so much in Tolkien's world to talk about. And I'm sure we will in the future. Uh, we already know that we're going to be celebrating, um, a, a, a milestone for fellowship come December. Uh, it's going to be the 20th anniversary. Unbelievable. Of Fellowship of the Ring arriving in theaters. I can't believe it's been 20 years. I can't either. It, wow. Because I was a, just a young lad uh, yes. sitting in the theater watching that one and trying to figure out and understand what was going on. And I had to have my a uh, much older friend who was a longtime nerd, veteran nerd, explained a lot of things to me. And then, of mm-hmm. course, I became a Lord of the Rings mega fan. And yeah. here we are doing a little podcast about it. So, Absolutely, man. I, I've enjoyed this. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, it didn't take a lot of talking me into it. I wasn't like, uh, you know, we're going to get to the Hobbit, Josh's Hobbit month. Ooh. I, I, was, I was excited to get to it. I'm just glad we finally got to it for you because because – You've been like, we need to do this. We did Lord of the Rings. We yeah. need to do The Hobbit. His yeah. birthday's in September. Let's freaking do it. Um, I'm glad we got to do it. But, dude, it's felt like it's just flown by. Yeah, really has. Because, like I said, I had all these big plans of doing a lot more research. That didn't happen. So we'll revisit sometime, like you said. We'll come back to it. But either way, it was a lot of fun revisiting these movies. Um, I definitely when i do my next lord of the rings watch through which seems like that's gonna be coming soon as a result of this but in the future when i watch the lord of the rings i'll probably throw these in there too and make them part of the tradition yeah yeah well nerds thank you for tuning in um to hobbit month here uh uh, what what were your some of your favorite moments uh if you watched along with us if you had already seen it uh who are some of your favorite characters please let us know we got a big October coming up. It's it's my favorite month of the year. Always has been. Um, we got a lot of great uh, horror and nerd culture stuff. Um, celebrating things like Ghostbusters and uh, the man, uh, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Tim Burton. We're going to be celebrating him in the month of October. We're going to be talking about the long Halloween, the movies that just dropped. Uh, October is going to be great. Uh here at 30 and Nerdy Podcast, we hope that you'll join in with those. Send in your thoughts and questions about the Hobbit trilogy or Middle Earth in general. Um, Juice, uh, you enjoy uh, your your week. Uh, your weekend is coming quick. Uh, so uh, have a great time at work. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're safe. Uh, glad you had a good time. I was definitely jealous when you sent us uh, the fact that you were listening to seeing kill switch engage live which i mean kill switch was was in our blood when i was in high school thanks to like caleb uh and matt they they got me and logan hooked on kill switch engage um i I noticed uh that when we were talking that 
this is their third singer, I guess their third or fourth singer. Um, cause when I got into kill switch, Jesse was on his way out and Howard was coming in. Um, so it's interesting, but you got to, you got to hear CM Punk's old interest entrance live. Surely they didn't do that one. Uh, they didn't. I assume because of the connection to CM Punk. Um, but I was I was hoping they would, and they did not. So yeah. Did they do it? Heartache. They did. <sighs> Absolutely, and it was great. And they did my curse, and they did uh, my last serenade, and all that. It was a good great. show. Great man. Anyway, yeah. Thank you for that, and I'm glad that you are okay and that you're on the mend. And yeah. Looking forward slowly, to October. Slowly but surely, uh, I'm beginning to mend. <laughs> But yeah, I'm excited for October, dude. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in again. Um, stay safe out there. Mask up, please. Um, please get vaccinated. Uh, think of others for yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. For the doctor of nerdonomics, Josh Davis. I'm the Duke of nerds. Stay safe. Stay nerdy. Cheers to your nerds. Tell